What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Sullivan alongside Chris Davis, and we're here to bring you all the most recent NHL news, preseason news, uh, surprise signings, some surprise you know send downs in the NHL. Uh, we got an interview for you this episode too. But before we get into it, Chris, what's up, brother? How you been? Oh, I'm good, man. Uh, like I said, we're you know we talked about this earlier. We're getting closer and closer to hockey season, and oh yeah, um, yeah, we're so close, man. Like a week out, you know, from Bruins taking on Chicago and and Bedard, and um, yeah, I'm fired up, man. I'm ready to go, and it's time. We, it's been long. It's been long enough. Should we go tarps off for this episode to start off the season with a bang? Uh, I'd rather not for our, uh, uh, ev- for everyone's uh, eyes. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm fired up. Let's go. Let's go, dude. The season's dude. right. The season's here, dude. The season is yeah, here. It, it is. And <laughs> so Emma and I went to the Washington um, Bruins game. The the last one was yeah. it last night? That was last night. You also went to the. Didn't you go Gosh. to the game against the Flyers? Also. No. Which one did I go to? It might. It might have been. How many, actually, how many garden crack beers did you have that you forgot what game you were at? Too many. To, <laughs> too many, dude. And the first, the first night was with Boosie, and yeah. uh, shout out to our boy downtown Boosie and uh, uh, Balboni, who is a, is a friend of uh, of Boosie's. Met him and unbelievable guy. Just he was so funny, dude. And we had a blast. Um, yeah, it was Philly because now that I think, now that I'm thinking about it. Bobby Brink scored a fucking nasty fucking shootout goal. Yes, yes. And yes. that was gross. Um, so, yeah, it was Philly, now that you mention it. But, yeah, um, I won't disclose how many crack beers were consumed that night because um, it's pretty alarming. But, Your yeah. Your might have to kick you out after they yeah, the, yeah, well, that or give me a fucking rewards card or right. something. Start, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the gold like, card. The gold. Yeah, the gold card, dude. But, yeah, it was um, – just still like even the even the crowd at the garden like we were able to kind of move around a little bit but it was still pretty packed like we kind of sat at that what is it like the bud light lounge or whatever um actually where we met you know where we met up and whatever we kind of sat at those seats um like overlooking the ice at center ice yeah 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 those are yeah we yeah we originally had um like we were in the balcony, but we went and sat at these at this Bud Light Lounge, and no one said anything to us. We just sat there the entire game. We were right at Center Ice, and yeah, it was it was awesome game. I mean, awesome seats, and it was not completely packed, but as close to a full crowd as you're gonna get. Well, that's um, what I was gonna say, dude. For considering it's preseason, um, and you, you see all the other preseason games going on around the league too. When you compare the crowds that boston's had so far for preseason games to say i don't know philly or i mean buffalo has had pretty good crowds but i mean just look around the league bruins are leading the preseason in attendance that's for sure yeah you you mentioned philly dude i was watching that game and they're you they probably fucking trying to pay people to go see that shit yeah but like like yeah it was it looked empty but yeah it it was a awesome crowd especially last night dude like emma and i were in there we we're sitting in the uh in the rafters club or whatever and it was so fucking loud dude every you know every three fucking seconds you're hearing oh. Oh. and i and my god did i miss it yeah, <laughs> i'll tell you that dude. much oh, you know wait. emma's emma's screaming luge in my ear and i'm like okay yep we're back we're back um but yeah it, it was a great game man i a lot of players stuck out to me. Um, obviously, you know, 
beyond the obvious, like everyone's talking about Matthew Patois right now. Everyone's yeah. talking about Mason Lowry. Um, we got the news today that uh, Trevor Kuntar, Georgia Merkulov, and Mark McLaughlin were all sent down to Providence, as well as um, Megna, who was placed on waivers for the purpose of reassignment. The one that I was really disappointed in, and although I understand it, was Trevor Kuntar. And, and not to show any bias, I think he looked really good, man. And, like, he has some bite to his game that is perfect for this Bruins organization, the way that, you know, fans look for Bruins to play. You know, that that attitude, that bite to his game. And although, like I said, although I understand it, I was still disappointed to see that. Um, but really thrilled to see that Matthew Patois, um, Mason Lowry, and Johnny Peacher are still on this team. What, what are your thoughts seeing uh, of the recent, you know, send downs and to see these guys um, still on the roster? I'm so happy that Matthew Patois is still here. Um, Mason Lowry is making a good solid case for himself too. I think Johnny Beecher is your solidified 4C. I don't think you're going to see Boakvist. I think that would be a mistake if you do. Um, just considering, I mean, you heard Montgomery too mention, you know, that they wanted to play more physical and with a little bit more, you know, bite and size to their game. So, I mean, Johnny Beecher fits that role. I think he's going to be the perfect 4C for this team, especially when you're matching him up with guys on his wing like Lucic and Lauko. I mean, we've seen it already work so well in the preseason. Give me that as many games as you can this year. But um, with with guys like Trevor Kuntar and Mark McLaughlin, you know, getting sent down, I think you could probably throw Merkulov in there as well. They're going to get called back up at some point during the season. They're not going to spend, you know, all however many games they play in the AHL. I, I'm not sure. If, I think it's 70. I don't think they play a full 82. I think it's 70. I could be so wrong about that, but either way, um, yeah. you're going to see them get called up when guys need some rest. Maybe when some guys are dinged up and they need a little bit of an extended break, you're going to see these guys get called up. And um, that, so having them get sent back down to the AHL, it's not a knock on them or their game or anything like that. It's just, you know, the the, the roster that the Bruins have right now, is deep enough where you can afford to send guys like them down and know that you have that reliable replacement player in your system already ready to come up and play. Um, so it didn't shock me. Um, but, but yeah, man, you, it's, it, this isn't the last you're going to see of them. That's for sure. Yeah. I, and like I said, you know, you, you just said it yourself too. Like this is not the last, that you're going to see of them like this. I think, I think we have a real luxury as, as much as people have been knocking on this forward group, especially with Patrice Bergeron leaving with David Krejci leaving. I do think this dude, the more that I watch this team, I think and with the emergence of Matthew Patois, like with the emergence of Johnny Beecher, you're now adding those factors in. And like, again, dude, now, I'm curious what you think. Do you put Matthew Patois in a 1C role and then have everyone kind of shift down to where they're most comfortable? And for me, why not, dude? Like, again, you're putting Charlie Coyle in his in his element as a third-line center, right? Pavel Zaka, you're going to put back down as that 2C. Still pair him with, with uh, JVR and Pasta. And let Patois get some time with the captain and DeBrusque. I don't hate that at all, and I think... With that, you have four solid lines. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I think first, I I don't think, okay. So I don't think you can introduce them as your first line center. I don't think you, 
I'm not saying he's not capable, but what, I'm saying I don't what, think you should. And what's your say, rationale behind that? So I say second line. I say you put Zaka. Because I, I love Coil 3C. 3C Coil is his bread and butter. He's the best third line center in the league. He thrives in that spot. Um, I, I'm i more in favor of having Zaka as that 1C paired up with Pasta and then say, I don't know, pick your poison for left wing. But if you have Patra on the second line with, I don't know, you could have Marchand and DeBrusque, say. And then you could, I mean, I guess you could maybe throw JVR on the first line. That's where it's going to get a little bit sketchy. It's, well, that, the, wing, it's the wings and their, and their um, the tiers of the wings, essentially. Yeah, I think, like, for me, I think, and, and like I said, I, I agree with, I can understand where you're coming from. Um, I, I think the lines are solidified, at least in my mind. What I see, pick your poison, say what you want, first line, second line, whatever. The way that JVR played with Zaka and Pasta, I really liked. Yeah, and he added, man, when he went bar Mexico, the garden went <laughs> fucking electric. It went bonkers, yeah. dude. And yeah. I, I wasn't expecting it. I, that shot, dude. I was like, holy shit! Like, and he's a big boy, and he he can put a lot of mustard behind his shot. And yeah, that was a fucking sick shot. And I loved that line. Just everything they did, they all complimented each other. Zaka and Pasta aren't ones to get in the corner and muck it up, but JVR is. And yeah, I think that's exactly. what make and I think that's what is gonna make that line so good is because you know JVR isn't afraid to go in those dirty areas, you know, and, and it kind of allows Pasta and Zaka to, you know, do what they do without the puck and allow, you know, JVR can go muck it up and you know, park his ass in front of the net. And you know, and then yeah, call call it what you want. Yeah, we can say Marshand is the second line, right? But there's no doubt in my mind that him and Patois should be together, yeah. as well as as well as DeBrusque. And I think that's another line that's really going to complement each other really well, yep. because Marchand isn't afraid to go muck it up in the corner, right. you know. And and, and, and and not to cut you off, but also too, he can act as almost a protector of Patra when you're playing against those bigger guys too. You know what I mean? You yep. have that security for him. Listen, dude. As a 19-year-old kid coming in, you're you're you you're in the show. Like this is it doesn't get any That's bigger it. than this. Right. And and what what better player to learn from and to to mentor you than a Brad Marchand, the captain, you dude. know? And and again, and Jake Bru- Jake DeBrusque, I know he can be streaky at times, but we know he plays well with Marchand, right? We know that they have success together. And this is a line that I think could be really exciting to watch, um, you know? And and I'll say it right now. I think you're looking at, you know, the next the next thing in Boston in Matthew Patois. I think yeah. you're looking at the heir to Patrice Bergeron. I think you're looking at the next thing, dude. And, and again, you look at these older guys that brought Patrice Bergeron in and mentored him, and he and grew him him into what he is. Look at this Matthew Patois kid, dude. The city is all. We did the same thing with Patrice Bergeron, and the entire city embraced him. This this leadership group is going to carry him and 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 teach him and mentor him, and and this is a phenomenal leadership group to learn from. I, I I'm so fired up for this kid and yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because um on on Nick and I's episode of Something's Brewing we said the exact same thing. If you're going to bring in Patra, and, uh, let me back up a second. If you just witnessed what he did in the preseason consistently by the way and i think it was brett howard shout out brett shout out only bruins 
um, who, who also noticed this is that he played just under 20 minutes for both, both his last two games under 20 he played, minutes. He played the same amount of time as pasta. Yes. Yes. And he thrived and he didn't look tired. He actually, he was blocking shots. He was getting hit. He was getting right back up. He was, he's, he was fine. And if you're seeing what he's doing in this preseason, you're, you love what you see. And like you mentioned, there's no better group to learn from than guys like Marshawn, Pasta, and and the uh, Coil, the veteran guys, dude, that are already in this lineup. Put him in here and let him learn and, and let him gel with the team right now. Like, this is the year to do it. And yep. if, if this was the same case last year, I don't know if his his – case is as strong as it is right now to stay with the team but because you have two two center holes because Krejci and Bergeron left you still have guys like Marshawn Coyle Pasta throw DeBrusque in there um JVR with his veteran experience um Lucic yeah you know what he has to say he has to at least get the nine game trial 100 and this is this is you know the other podcast that I was on that we were just talking about I couldn't disagree more with again had he had he had not gotten this opportunity right say yeah. we had put in I don't know just top of my head Patrick like, Brown yeah Boak fist, um, one of them. like again and we just assume that well these guys have been in the league yep like we know what we're getting like this you know automatically assuming that he needs more time right to develop right. and I'm not gonna fucking toot my own horn or whatever. But I'm telling you from development camp, and I'll pull back clips of past episodes and past tweets, the two Bruins players that were most NHL-ready at that development camp were Matthew Patois and Mason Lowry. Matthew Patois especially, the way that he sees the game and the way that he moves and the way that he just sees the ice without the puck, right? And I think you saw it yesterday. He's going to blossom into a solid, solid two-way center in this league. I'm, I'm not you. even lying, dude. If he plays alongside one, pick your like we said, pick your poison. If he plays alongside Pasa or Marshine, it's not going to be both. It's going to be one. They're going to split them up. In my mind, I think that's the best way to do it, and that's kind of how we saw Montgomery operate last year, anyway. So I'm assuming right. he'll do the same thing. Um, if he plays with one of them consistently, I'm not even kidding you, dude. I think he could. I think the the baseline for points is fifty. Like easily absolutely, fifty, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I and I think that's on the lower end, it, right? Or personally, and I agree with you. Yeah, I I think that baseline, like playing with either one of those two, I mean, he could easily go for fifty. And yeah. another point that I wanted to bring up is, you know, although Patrice Bergeron has retired and he's not going to be on the ice for opening night or this whole season, you can't sit there and tell me that he's not, you know, involved in some way, shape, or form and. What better what better guy again to learn from than the guy with the most all-time Selkie trophies, a Stanley Cup winner, the the past captain, like uh, what better and, and you can't sit there and tell me that he's not involved in these, you know, right. conversations and whatever. Like I, I mean, I, I just love this all together and I think it's it, it just makes too much sense to not keep him in the in the lineup, right? Like Yes, like like even if he's even if Bergeron isn't there in person physically, you don't think he's texting, calling Patra just to kind of give him some advice, give him some you know of that um, you know veteran knowledge that that um, 
that sense that he's adapted in the last 19 years that he was in this organization. He's what for I, sure in contact. Yeah. It, and it's the biggest thing is mentorship. I yes. think like, you know, I, I think again, to have someone so similar, right. To their situation when they first came in the league, it's very similar. Right. Like obviously Patrice Bergeron had, you know, the language barrier. He had a, he had more to overcome, I think. Right. And obviously he, they were both, you know, not first rounders um, where, we're looking at Patrice Bergeron now as he probably should have been the number one pick in that draft. <laughs> right. Um, but again, this, this, the similarities in like the two in both of their stories starting out, right? Like it just makes too much sense for them. Not to not, you mentioned, yeah, the nine games you, we can give that trial. I don't think right now for me, I'm sold on the whole season. Yeah. I don't yeah. think there's any more room for improvement for him going back to junior. I don't no, think I don't again either. he's shown he the amount of points that he put up, the the how he dominated that league, and he can't go to Providence. So again, is sending him to junior really gonna help him develop that much more? Or has he kind of capped out and is him playing NHL minutes against NHL players going to help his development? And I think it does. Dude, him going back to juniors like Say he doesn't get the nine-game nine trial, which at this point I think would be shocking if he doesn't get the nine-game trial. Um, if he gets sent right back to juniors, I think that would be worse for him, to be honest. I think that would crush his confidence. In the, I think he – actually, I don't want to say that. It might light a fire under his ass, but like at the same is, time, he's going to be like, what else am I supposed to do? He had a quote, and I don't want—I don't have the exact quote, but he pretty much to the extent—and I—I don't like putting words in players' mouths because that's not fair. But he, along the lines of, he—he he thinks he made it really hard for them to send him back, mm-hmm. right? And he thinks his level of his level of play, and I agree. How how can you send this kid down? He, dude, that goal that he scored last night, the so Garden nice. was booming. It was disgusting, dude. Like, and again, he he has made it hard for this team to send him back down. It, it wouldn't make sense for him to go back. And also, don't forget, I forget what game exactly it was. It might have been against Philly. Um, the first game against Philly, I think. Whichever one went to overtime. He had a little backhand um, shot from, I don't know, in, in the circles. And he hit the post. I mean, th- I think the biggest criticism that's come from his game uh, during the preseason isn't even a bad criticism. I think the, the main criticism against Potrar was that he needs to shoot more and that's it. Like nobody's dogging giveaways, uh, bad position, bad positioning, um, bad skater, nothing like that. It's literally like, no, like if he just shot more, he would like, I think he would get even more points. Yeah. I think another knock and another knock that I'm seeing, right. And it's not, I'm saying, I'm saying literally on Bruins Twitter, which right. That you sometimes know, you can know, be a cesspool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, um, one of his knocks was again, he, he needs to get stronger, which is inevitable. He's a 19 year old kid just coming out of junior. He's he kind of like, he's heavy though. He's not even, he's he, not like a small guy in terms of weight. You know what I no, mean? No, but you're, but the, but the difference between, you know, from junior to development right. camp, you're playing against your peers, yep. then going to the NHL where you're playing against grown ass men that have, you know, again, are older and bigger and stronger. 
that might be the only knock that I could see. But again, that's not something that that that's something you can fix, and that's yeah. something you can work on, and that's something that's e- that's probably one of the easiest things that they can address, yeah. right? You just, you just have to and, put and you just have to put in the work. Exactly, go on the Chris Davis diet, and we'll get you right. <laughs> and, <laughs> but yeah, dude. So again, it's just it, it's not even a knock at that point. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. He, the kid absolutely belongs. Um, I, I would be shocked, dude. If, well, if his hockey IQ is just like off the charts it's insane it is insane off the charts like i said i i things that i like to look at you know obviously normal hockey fans yeah you want to see what they do with the puck for me it's what they do without the puck where yeah. are they their positioning you know their their defensive uh placement like where what are they doing without the puck and for me he's always in the right position right you know we we always you know we saw a few times yeah you know a couple bad turnovers but again, the vast majority of the time, he's always in the right spot. So I, again, and I really hope to see this kid opening night against Chicago, man. I He belongs. He's proven that he belongs. And I think it would be such a disappointment for him to get sent back to junior. Yeah, dude. Like Mel said on uh, our Something's Brewing episode, it's the it's the Batra versus Bedard game. That's That's, that's what it is. Yeah, dude. Oh, well, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you agreed. You agreed. <laughs> no, it was yeah. a joke. Obviously, it's a yeah, joke. Yeah. But um, I saw. I don't. Did you get? Did you get? Did you see that fucking heat daddy quote? Where uh, not quote. It was the tweet. It was literally a fucking empty net goal from uh, Bedard. Yeah, he's like, "Yep, I'm sold." <laughs> like, dude, I, well, I I clicked on the tweet expecting to see it in the same highlight. Some like highlight reel goal, and I'm yeah. like. It actually made me like it made me cackle. Like it was that was so funny. (laughs) It got me so good. Yeah, dude. I I, again, yeah, I was expecting some like fucking highlight real goal or like something and just empty netter. (laughs) But I I kinda wanna transition a little bit to Beecher and Lowry. Obviously the Patois talk we could go on all day, but yeah, we got two other two other young guys. Yeah, two other young guys that have you know, that are no slouches are, you know, Mason Lowry and Johnny Beecher, who both of them have, you know, made a, a real good argument to stay up with the big club. Um, what have you seen from both of these guys? And um, do you think that opening night you see both of them on the roster? Um, Johnny Beecher, for sure. I think I think that fourth line is solidified. Lucic, Beecher, Lauko for at least a little bit, like a little trial run in the, in the regular season, just to see really what you got there. But everything from Johnny Beecher's preseason is good. I mean, he's quick. Um, his skating is as advertised. He's he flies out there, right? And um, now one goal he had, I think it was the first preseason game, just like that easy, smooth, quick, quick feet sl- slide the puck five hole for a goal. Like that was that was nice. Um, I I think he's. I don't want to use the word lock, but I think he's about ninety percent certain to start the year in that fourth line center spot. Um. I think if you go Bokvist, I think that's a mistake. I think if if Brown gets in there, I think that's a mistake. Um, you think? It's like, I think so. If like, because we were saying too a couple episodes ago, it was either on this or something's brewing. But this is the time for the youth, right? Like, this is the time where the youth needs to um, be given the chance and a real legit opportunity to show what they've been working on for however many years that they've been here. Um, but with Lorai it's hard to argue against that too, because 
I mean, he he outplays Forbert for sure. Um, but I'll take it. A, I'll take it a step further. He outplays Zaboral. Oh my God! Yeah, I I put Forbert ahead of Zaboral. I I I have said this a couple times. I'm so completely over Jacob Zaboral. Uh, I've I've seen enough. But I think you're kind of in a tough spot cap wise with Forbert, right? Because he is making that three mil. Um, that's going to be a tough one to kind of get rid of. At this point, if you really think Lorai is ready and we see Mitchell now too, Mitchell, I I think Mitchell is your seventh defenseman. Absolutely. Yeah. And he fits into Montgomery's system so well that, um, I, I think, you know, that's a shoe in too. I think he's shooed in as your seventh guy. I'd put him above his ball too. But, um, if, if you're comfortable with, with Lorai and Mitchell being that kind of that almost like third pairing swing guy, if you can ship off Forbert, even for a late pick, like some team he's Forbert is a capable NHL defenseman. And I'm sure some team would love to have him. Give us a sixth, give us a seventh. I don't care. Shed that money. Um, we have the guys here now who are the future and they should be playing over guys like Darren Forbert. Absolutely. And, and, you mentioned that cap hit, right? Three mil. There's, yep. I believe there's only two or three teams that can actually take on that, take on that contract right now. Mm-hmm. One of those teams being the Anaheim Ducks. And now, you know, we've done deals with them in the past. Now I think a deal with them would make sense. Yeah. I, I think you, to make it more enticing for them, I think you'd have to throw in something else, right? Throw, like, in, a, throw in a fifth. Like I, I just I can't see a scenario where man he looked rough. Yeah. Like again, well, he, and I know I know coming he's coming off injury. Off injury. Yep, he is, and I I acknowledge that. And I'm also going based on last the playoffs last year. I just again I think we have we have our core right. I I think it, it's very similar to to Patois, right? Like he dude, wh- what what is sending him to Providence? Yeah, you know what he'll he'll get top minute. You know, top pair minutes in Providence, which call it for what it is. Yeah, probably will help him. But again, I think he's made it very hard. He's made it very difficult for them to send him down. He's outplayed Zaboral. He's outplayed Forbert. He's we've already seen. They just sent down. um, They sent down Mike Callahan. They sent down Walsh. Like again, they're giving this kid a legit look, and and there's clearly something that they like in his game. You know, and and I can see it. My dream, I guess, dream pairs, right? I'd love to see Lowry with McAvoy. Right? I was I, just I, gonna ask. You I that. I think they complement each other very well. I think McAvoy is a safe defenseman. He he's been in the league. He's he's been at the top of the you know one of the best defensemen in the league. You know his, his for the past couple of years. Let Lowry go out there, right? And again, yep. what what uh, what better person to learn from than a Charlie McAvoy, who is I to me a top five defenseman. And even even with that being said, too, if because I'm with you, I would like to see Lori with McAvoy. Um, but mentioning the you know learning from a guy like him, right? McAvoy is a phenomenal guy to learn from. Obviously, he he uh, grew up in the Bruins system, essentially. Right. Um, but even if, even if you don't go Lorai McAvoy, you could go 
another veteran on the team, Lurai Shattenkirk. Like that's yep. not a that's not a bad guy to learn from either. Obviously, he's not the same player he used to be at all. Um, but still he has the experience, he has the knowledge, he has you know things I'm sure that he could teach Lurai that McAvoy hasn't even experienced yet, just just by him being in the game so long. Yeah. But I mean I, I I do I do want to see Lorai and McAvoy. I think the, that would be so sick. The only reason why I wouldn't put Lorai Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk, obviously he's he's older, right? He's he's lost the step, dude. And and that comes with age, and that's you know perfectly normal. I worry that if Shattenkirk, you know, obviously Charlie McAvoy doesn't make a lot of mistakes, right? He's very he's a very safe defenseman. He's very good defensively. Yeah. I would more so like him to not like I want Lowry to be able to go out there. We saw the plays that he was making to break out the puck, you know, in himself out of the zone, dude. His skating ability, the way that he's able to break the puck out. I would rather him be able to play his game, right? And not have to worry about, say, if Kevin Shattenkirk gets beat, right? Because where you and I are talking right now, like Charlie McAvoy doesn't get beat very often. And and I think putting him with Lowry, it would kind of alleviate that, right? Lowry yeah. would be able to go out and kind of play his game, jump up in the play, like like Jim Montgomery, like Jim Montgomery loves his defenseman to do. I think Lowry could thrive playing with a guy like Charlie McAvoy, and okay, I dude. and I don't hate that third pair of Grizz and Shattenkirk. I don't. No, I don't no. at all. And I think Lindholm, Carlo, obviously we saw last year they played very well and. Mitchell as your seventh defenseman, I think we're cooking with hot grease at that point. This Bruins team, again, might be better than people are giving them credit for. They I, they they really might do some things again this season that shock you. I don't think they're going to get 135 points or whatever the hell it was, but they they might be over 110 again. But I think that's what's going to help them. I think that's yes. what's going to be good for them is the fact yes. that they don't have this record looming over their fucking shoulders and they're not looking at that. Could that's they be point. a could they be a 6 7 8 seed potentially, but they're not going to have to worry about that fucking record and being the best team in the NHL, very similar to what Florida did. Right, right. Right. Florida exactly. as an 8 seed last year. Like again, they had no one had expectations of them moving on and moving that far, right? Right. And I think that's something that could help this team. And you and I made our predictions, and obviously on paper, we didn't love what they had. But now with the emergence of now that we're seeing all these pieces in play and we're seeing the, these combinations and how they're playing, like it changes a lot for me. And I'll admit, like I wasn't high on them. Like I don't think you were either. No, I was saying potentially eight seed, potentially miss, potentially being on the bubble. Yeah. But, I mean, dude, like you said too, like – you didn't expect to see what you're seeing right now at Apatra. You kind of had an idea of what Lorai was, but the way he's playing is kind of outplaying what you imagined for, yeah. for most people. And then Beecher too. Beecher looking this solid in that in that fourth line role with um obviously Luch and Lauko is 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 it's great. It's a great thing for this team. And like you said too, they don't have this giant record looming over their heads all season long where it's you eliminate that distraction. It's it, whether it was a good distraction or a bad distraction, it's still a distraction taking you away from your game. Um, so they don't have that looming over their heads. They can just go out there every night, play their game, play for the veterans like Marshawn 
and then play for the younger guys like Lorai Poitra and and uh, Beecher. And it's I think this year's dynamic is going to be so much fun for for Bruins fans. It's it's you're gonna have <clears throat> excuse me you're gonna have a great mix of veteran aged players Shattenkirk, you know Marchand. And then you're um, some middling guys who are just hitting their primes: DeBrusque, McAvoy, Carlo, Lindholm, yeah. uh, Swayman, Allmark. And then you have these young guys too, who you're gonna just on a nightly basis be excited to watch and 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 root for. Yeah, go and going back, dude. We we talked about it when you know being at Dev Camp, and I I knew they they were NHL ready, and they obviously were dominating their peers, right? And I think. Yeah, it's easy for someone to say, yeah, you know, they're they're NHL ready watching them at a development camp. I know I understand that's easy, but actually seeing it come to fruition and yeah. seeing them now thrive playing against NHL level talent, it it changes everything, right? Everything. You're at you're adding a potential top 6 center, right? You're adding a potential top 4 defenseman, right? Yeah. Arguably, and you're adding a a, a fourth line center. Like those are all things that we knew this Bruins team was absolutely going to miss, and and ha- not having those, not having these guys thrive during the preseason, yeah, it, it adds question marks. With that roster, without those guys thriving that they the way that they are right now, I thought that yeah, for sure they were a bubble team. Yeah, but I think with the emergence of of these guys now, you're now you're talking four full lines, and they play well together. They showed yeah, we're early in the pre, you know. We haven't even started the regular season yet, but they showed good chemistry. They, I like what this team is doing. I like, I, I'm, I'd be very happy to see Lowell Ryan this lineup ahead of Zaboral and Forbert, and and I think it's, it's the best team you're going to put out there at this point. Yeah, it is. and you're and you're talking four great lines, and you still have depth in Providence to call up when some of the older guys Absolutely. might need a break or someone gets hurt. Like, Dude, you, you haven't even put in your top two forward prospects. Right, you got them right. still down at Providence, Merkulov and Lysel, and that that's a that's a different discussion for another day. But I'm not going to knock, you know, not right. We'll do that. We'll do that, you know, once the rosters come out and we can start talking talking that. That's a whole another. That's a whole talk. other can of worms. But yeah, dude, I, I I'm really excited about this season. I I yeah. really want to see some of this youth being, you know, incorporated in the lineup. And I think it's going to, it's going to help the Bruins in the long run, you know, two, three, four years down the road. They're going to, they're going to be thankful that they, you know, these guys got the minutes that they did. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing too. It's, it's, they don't have to be all stars this year, but it's just the fact that they're getting their feet wet. And, and the other thing too, and then, and then we can move on from, from the Bruins talk. But the other thing too, is what we saw, with guys like Frederick and DeBrusque um, when Bruce Cassidy was here, was that they were never given this kind of opportunity, right? And when they were, it was maybe like two games, and then they were, you know, sent to the ninth floor for five. And then they were back for like another two games and then up for seven. They never got that consistency. And Montgomery is the complete opposite, which is why I think uh, Bruins fans who are used to still used to Bruce Cassidy's ways of treating younger players. I think that's why they're more on the side of, no, he's for sure going back to juniors. Like he yep. needs to develop more like, yep. and I understand that. And I'm not knocking you either. If you have that perspective, I'm just thinking in terms of 
it's a new era with a new coach and a new way of thinking. And I think that's beneficial towards the younger guys like Lori, like uh, Pasha, like Beecher. And I think for that reason, they're going to be playing and they are going to only get better. Yeah. It, dude, you bring up, you bring up Freddie and Johnny Beecher was for me really trending in that direction, right? Yep. Like Providence year after year, he's Providence again. Like again, Freddie was buried in Providence, dude. Like, again, when we drafted him from the University of Wisconsin, I believe, yep. I hope I didn't yep. fuck that up. No, I'm pretty sure you're right. I'll Google it just in case, but. Yeah, so I fact check me on that. But, again, when we drafted him first round out of, out of the University of Wisconsin, did we draft him to be a fucking fourth-line fighter? No, we didn't. We knew that he had extra, we, we knew that he had components to his game that were going to help this team. But, again, you mentioned the, the the Bruce Cassidy era. He was buried in Providence, and then again, when he, you know, he would he would get in the lineup. He'd fuck up, right? He'd take a stupid penalty, whatever. Trying trying to be someone he's not, right? And again, right. I don't think he's a fourth. He's not a fourth line grinder. We saw that last year with him playing with, you know, with Charlie Coyle. He put up seventeen goals, dude. Like yep. he's no fucking slouch. So. Johnny Beecher for me was trending in a very similar direction. Like, again, he wasn't getting the opportunities and, and nor last year was such a deep team. It wasn't fit and it made sense. I get it this year. What better year, dude? Right. There's that opening at four C and I, I think they're going to be thankful that they, you know, gave him the opportunity. But yeah. again, we could go on all fucking day about <laughs> Bruins talk and, and we're going to have a ton of Bruins talk throughout the year, man. So yeah, I kind of want to transition a little bit. We got ton of news that you know broke just you know a couple days you know even today um biggest probably out of all of it was trevor zegris tobacco right yeah. obviously he's been an rfa um hasn't been signed with the ducks well this week he signed a three-year 5.75 million dollar uh aav deal um the 23 goals 65 points 81 games uh last year um, he's 22 years old. He was a Calder finalist. What were your thoughts when you saw this contract? I, I know, I know what my thoughts were. Um, I'm curious what you were thinking when you saw this number. Can you say the number again? I'm sorry, I was yeah, sorry, dude. DB. Yeah, it was a uh, three-year, 5.75 million uh, yeah. dollar AAV. Uh, I think that's fair. I actually think that's a fair value for both the team and the player. Um, I mean, he's only got what three not even two really really two full seasons in in the nhl he's got 139 points over 180 games in in his nhl career um i think the value is fair it's going to give anaheim the ability to i mean hopefully if if the front office gets their shit together build an actual you know nhl level hockey team but i mean they've got prospects coming up getting ready to play um it gives Zegers enough time to kind of get another bag, right? Like really perform yeah. over, over the span of this contract and then cash in wherever he wants. Cause I, I believe at the end of that contract, he'll be UFA. And if I'm, if I'm wrong about that, someone fact check me, but either way at the end of that contract, he's going to be able to sign again for a bigger number, hopefully in his case. But um, as of now for the ducks, I mean, that's what they need. If you're, if you're the Anaheim ducks organization right now, you can't afford to lose guys like him um albeit i don't like him as a player and i really don't think that what he was demanding equaled 
his his uh you know what he brings to the game and i know he gets a lot of points but he's also kind of like it just seems like his ego is so big right and i i i'm 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 not necessarily knocking that about him but from the perspective of maybe locker room vibes i don't know how tired that would get and how how other guys would feel about that eventually but i i i, I, I don't want to go on that too long because i obviously i don't know him personally it's just yeah, based yeah. on clips that i've seen and quotes that i've heard and stuff like that but the value is good obviously he's a gifted offensive player the thing i worry about with his game is his two-way stuff is like he, at, at some point he's you would think he would kind of want to get away from all the trick shot stuff and, and really focus on 200 foot. If he's going to be Anaheim's number one center, you can't just be an offensive guy. Like you have to play a complete game, but overall, I think it's fair. It's interesting. You say that the number one center thing, because I, I think Anaheim has a very strategic plan. Mm -hmm. I don't think Trevor Zegras is their one C. I think with them drafting Leo Carlson as high as they did, who is only a center, a legitimate center who also can play to, you know, both ways. True. Um, I think you see Zegras more as a winger, like a left winger, um, if he if he stays, right? I mean, you, you saw Anaheim sign these big ticket deals for, you know, Alex Kalorn and Gudis. Yep. And so it, it makes me wonder, and again, I think it's a good deal for him too, dude. Like, by the yeah. time he signs his next deal, he's going to be 24, 25 years old. He's going to be able to cash in another fucking huge ticket. Stay, okay. he, Say he stays on the pace that he's on, getting 60 points a year. Now he's probably going to play with a guy like Leo Carlson. I, I haven't seen that he's gotten called down yet or sent down yet. Dude, I, I just can't imagine a scenario where he's not going to get a fucking bag in three years. Like yeah. I think for what he's done so far – it's a very fair number. Um, but I think I, – I don't know if he's Anaheim's answer to as, – as their 1C of the future. I, I just – I don't know. It's it's a weird – especially with this whole thing that just happened, dude. Like, we're talking right. a week out from the season. He just signed a deal. Not to mention Jamie Drysdale. Drysdale. Yeah. Like, But before you go on, I just want to say this really quick to correct myself. Um a UFA in the NHL is if you're 27 or older, so he'll still be restricted. So he'll still be Anaheim okay. will get first tips. But which, continue. which, like at that point though, you're looking at him. Are they going to sign him? He's not going to want another deal to this magnet, you know, right. at this amount. It's and again, if he keeps to the trajectory that he's going on, consistent 60 point uh, score over 20 goals a year. Like I don't know. Like it, it just makes me wonder if you know if Anaheim has an alternate plan why they only signed him to three years. It's just because then again, Kalorn will be closer to getting off that deal. Gudis, they're going to have a boatload of fucking cap space. So I don't know. It could go either way. They're maybe going to give them a bag once those contracts are off the books and they just want to kind of stay competitive right now. But you just saw Alex Kalorn fucking out. He's going to be out for, I don't know if it was six weeks or, or what, but, you got to think they're they're thinking Celebrini Iserman right now. Yeah, and you got to think too in terms of uh, you know putting yourself in Anaheim's front office's uh, shoes at that time too. If you can't 
sign him as he's a restricted free agent when this deal is up, you still own his his rights as a player. So it's not like he's unrestricted and he can just start talking to other teams. But if there's a sense that, you know, as an Anaheim, uh, is it Verbeek? Is Verbeek their GM? I believe I'm, so. I believe so. So if you're Pat Verbeek and you're getting the sense that you're not going to be able to sign him, but you still have the rights to him, the lane opens up to a trade. You can trade his rights to another team. Um, if he's unrestricted, he's just unrestricted. He can go wherever he wants. But yeah. if, if at the end of this deal, he'll be RFA. So you still own the rights. You can talk to him as long as you want. You can hold him there as long as you want. But if it's not going to end, end well, you have the option to deal him off and get at least something for him. Yeah, this was it was a crazy scenario, dude. This whole off season, like he obviously yeah. he was one of the big names. It wasn't a wasn't a great class of free agents. Like we looked looking at the UFAs and RFAs, I think he was probably towards the top of you know as far as like skilled players go. And it's it was pretty crazy how this all turned out, and it, it's even more crazy that we're seeing Drysdale still not signed. I know. Um, I, I just it, it makes me wonder what direction this team's going in. Um. I don't know. I love what they have coming up um, as far as prospects go. You know, uh, Olin Zellweger, um, yep. you know, Jackson uh, Lacombe. He, he had a solid year in college hockey. Um, again, Mint, Mintikov. Um, just I, I love what this team is doing. I just I think the pieces, there's a few pieces they're just not sure about. And there's got to be a reason for it, right? I mean, if they yeah. were if they were sold on – these two guys who are both very talented players, you would have thought that they'd have an extension in place. Right. right. Exactly. Like, Especially for a guy like Drysdale. Like, yeah. What like, doing? what are you doing? Yeah. Like I, I, I just can't for the life of me understand it. I, I know for the, for the Bruins, I know where our right side of our defense is pretty solidified, but my God, would I love to have a Jamie Drysdale on that team, dude? Like he's just fucking gross. Like he's just so good. Um, so yeah, it makes me wonder. I, I just don't know what what direction this team's going, and you got to think they're in the Celebrini Iserman sweepstakes, right? Like, yeah, and I mean they still have John Gibson in that too, who's who's not even he he's not as old as most people think. No. He's I, he's still in his twenties, I believe. He's off the top of my head. Um, I believe he's twenty eight, maybe twenty nine, but I mean uh, he he's in his prime right now. That's an elite goalie. Um, if you stick him on a, you know, on, on a capable NHL yeah. team with a good defensive core, that's an elite goalie that can get you into the playoffs. Um, they, you're right. They are in a weird spot, and it seems like management isn't handling these contracts and these players as well as they probably should be. Like, like you, just, like you mentioned, Zegers just got signed. The season starts in a week. Jamie Drysdale still doesn't have a contract. What's the plan there? It's they're in a weird position right now with a good prospect pool. And you might be right. They might be going for another high draft pick this year. Um, Cause they're, they're for sure not going to compete for a Stanley cup. That's not happening. Um, but they're in a weird, weird spot where they're more towards the bottom of the league, but they shouldn't necessarily be one of those, you know, bottom feeders. I don't think. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of thought the same thing last year, though. You know what I mean? Like, you look right. at this roster and you look at, like, the prospects they have coming up. Like, they shouldn't be as bad as they are. And right. 
like again, I I just I don't know. It, it's hard to put my finger on what exactly this team is doing. And you got to think, man. Like as we get closer, like as the season goes on, and we got to we we just both said that they're going to be fucking bottom feeders in our opinion. Like a guy like John Gibson is going to be super fucking enticing to teams come playoff time. You're like, again, you look at a team like, I don't know, top of my head, Toronto. Like, yep. I, I don't know. Just, just throwing that out there. Like a team that needs a goalie. <laughs> yeah. Like I, what better? Like I'd give up a fucking first round in a heartbeat, dude. Well, they even, do have a – dude, they have an issue with the Nylander contract right now too. You could maybe see something go down with Nylander, a, Gibson, and and maybe Anaheim would throw someone else in because obviously it's not just going to be Gibson for Nylander straight up. What a blockbuster that would be. Oh, my God. And it's exactly what Toronto needs too. They, you you have, already know they're top-heavy offensively. They need a goalie. We're going to have to save this clip because I, I that's something I could really see come to fruition, dude. Like – it, it just makes too much sense logistically, right, right? For both teams. Say it's like, say it's like John Gibson and they probably would want help on defense too. Say it's, say, say it's John Gibson and Radko Gudis for Alex Nylander or, or John Gibson and. Imagine Gudis going to a, to a, a Leafs team with fucking right with Revo. Right. No, <laughs> like literally, a... literally. And, and like. I mean, they, they added Bertuzzi, too. They're looking to add that grit. I mean, it, you get an elite goalie in John Gibson, who's still young, something that Toronto's been missing since they traded the Bruins to Rask. Thank you very much. Um, and, and they get time. a – yeah, and they get a defenseman that they need, too, in Radko Gudis, for, and then they shed the money of Alex Nylander, and then, boom, your problem – you kill, like, seven birds with one stone. Yeah. <laughs> It, it makes too, it makes too much sense, dude, and and that's something that would be so that would be a fucking blockbuster. Even a guy I, like Cam Fowler, I mean, something, dude, some veteran leadership on that team too. Who knows? Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's obviously just speculation, and neither of us are GMs, but I mean, just looking at the you know both teams' needs, and now imagine Nylander paired up with like Terry Zegers and Carlson. Come on, yeah, come yeah, on. No, I. Uh... Yeah, it gets me going. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, dude, some other contract news. Um, going out west, uh, or sorry, yeah, out west from us. Minnesota signed Matt Zuccarello and Marcus Foligno. Zuccarello got a two-year, um, $8.25 million deal. Uh, Marcus Foligno got a four-year, $16 million deal. Um, obviously, do the math on that as far as AAV goes. Um these are again two signings that I I love. I love watching these two guys play, yeah. um, and I think these are both great numbers for for Minnesota. Um, both are you know, you know they're they're gritty veterans. Um, Matt Zuccarello had a solid year last year. Um, what were your what are your thoughts on this on uh, both of these signings? So I'm I'm looking at Marcus Foligno right now, right? Um, it's something that. Minnesota kind of needs because obviously with the buyouts of uh, what was it Parise and Suter kind of has them handcuffed for a little bit now. So they need to find value in these guys that they have. And Marcus Foligno is one of those guys. Um, he plays physical. He can put up points. He can put up, you know, he has the abilities to put up offensive numbers. Last year was a little bit of a down year for him. Obviously he, he was dealing with some injuries during points of the season, 
Um, his goal total dropped down heavily. I mean, the previous season before last, he put up 23. Last year, he only put up seven um, with 14 assists for 21 points. That's not what you need to see out of a guy from Marcus Foligno, but that's also not the guy that you have. That's that's not Marcus Foligno. Marcus Foligno should be hovering around maybe 35 to 40 points a season, potting at least 15 goals with his ability to play physical too and kind of um, – set the tone in certain games. Right. And yeah. like you said, they don't have Revo anymore, so they, they don't really have that guy. So they're probably going to be looking at someone like Marcus Foligno to sort of fill that role. Although nobody's going to fill Ryan Reeves shoes. Nobody in the league is going to fill Ryan Reeves shoes. Yeah. But I, I like the deal. I think it's smart for Minnesota. Um, They got their guy, but Matt Zuccarello, um, what was what was Zuccarello's number again? It was a two-year, eight point two five million dollars. So split that in half. Boom! That's a actually that's a great deal. It is a great deal. He's borderline averaging around what like sixty points a season. If you really total them all together, just doing that off the top of my head, right around there. He had sixty-seven last year, twenty goal scorer his past two years, twenty-four and twenty-two, um, forty fifty-five and forty-five assists. It's a good deal for Minnesota. It's a veteran guy. And like I said, too, they're they're cap crunch right now, so they need to find these value signings, and that's a value signing. Veteran leadership can put up points, um, can help lead this team on the power play. I'm pretty sure you can play PK, too. But, I mean, contracts like that is exactly what Minnesota needs. And, um, obviously, you pair him up with a guy like Kaprizov, uh, Mm -hmm. they're going to do some damage. Yeah, Zuccarello, he has one year remaining on his five-year, $30 million contract that he signed in 2019. Um, This past season, he's coming off a 67-point season, um, getting 22 goals and a team-high 45 assists. So, dude, that's a steal of a contract. I know he's getting getting older, but, like, again, it's one of those things, like, you you know what you have in Zuccarello. He's a fucking pest to play against. He kills penalties. He he puts the puck in the net. And again, you're going to put him with a guy like, who knows? I mean, I, I, I'm i not sure exactly what their combination of lines look like. Um, they've got Matt Boldy. They've got, uh, you know, Kaprizov. They've got, got young guys that put it, pairing with a guy like, you know, Matt Zuccarello, I think is something that really is going to help them take off even more than they have. And I think Boldy and Kaprizov have already taken off. I mean, I, I love both of their games, dude. Yeah, so like you said, you weren't sure what their lines were, but I can tell you right now, um, Daily Faceoff, one of the best hockey websites that For sure. you know, anyone can utilize. So if you didn't know it, not you, but like people listening, if you didn't know about it, definitely check it out. Um, yeah. But right now, Daily Faceoff has their lines as Kirill Kaprizov, Ryan Hartman, Matt Zuccarello. Solid. Second I love line, I love Ryan Hartman, dude. He's, dude, he's uh, he's another one of those value guys that just yes. play, he plays the game. It should be he plays the game the way that it should be played. Absolutely. Um, second line: Marcus Johansson, Joel Eriksenek, another underrated guy, and Matthew Boldy. Great line right there too. Boldy's got it. Boldy could pop off. Third line: Marcus Foligno, Marco Rossi, Frederick Gaudreau. Fourth line: Pat Maroon, Connor Dewar, and Brandon Duham. Not, Dude. not, not bad. Not to, not to. My ADHD is kind of taken over, but to, like, kind of the fact that they're pairing or 
according to Daily Faceoff, which again, if you guys don't know about it, go check it out. Like an unbelievable tool to use. Yeah. Um, putting a guy like Felino with a Marco Rossi who hasn't fully come into his own um, since being a, a high first round pick. I love that. That's exactly what these what these teams are doing. Are they're putting veteran talent, right? Guys right. who have been in the league, fucking dominate, right? This Marcus Felino Rossi combination is awesome. Like again, that's how you get players to learn the game and right. to play the game the right way. What better guy to learn from than a Marcus Felino? Right. right. Like you like, like you can't put Rossi with Boldy. Like on paper, that's phenomenal. But when you're actually on the ice, like who are they going to learn from? They're they're both it, kind of coming into the league right now. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, we you know we talked and we talked about the protector aspect of things, right? Yeah. What I what I love is the fact that Marco Rossi is going to be able to go out and play his game, right? The game that he the game that got him to where he is, right? To be a high high draft pick for Minnesota. Yep. Put him on a line with with Felino. Anyone fucks with Rossi, dude? You're gonna have you're gonna have Felino at you, and and. If we're talking guys that strike fear in the league, five guys, Marcus Foligno is right at the at that top five, without yep. a doubt in my mind. Like again, he 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 sticks up for his teammates. He plays the game the right way. Having him on a line with with Rossi, it's going to allow Rossi to play his game right to to create offense and and do what got him to that point. I, I love it. I love both of these signings. They're just value deals. Yeah, um, no, it's it's great. Bill Guerin is what he has to work with and what he has to work around with those buyouts of Parise and Suter. He's he's doing a phenomenal job job of actually putting a competitive hockey team out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. you know we mentioned their back end too. I I love their decor that they got going. Like yeah, and I they think got Bro- Gustafson and Flurry too in net. Yeah, solid solid uh, goalie tandem. They got you know Brock Faber joined the uh, he joined them last year. I love his game. He's yep. a solid defenseman. Um, and again, yeah, you mentioned Bill, Billy Guerin, like really, really doing, you know, phenomenal things with those two horrible con. Well, they weren't horrible at the time, but, you know, now they're, it's kind of come back to bite them in the ass. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess we can, you know, we can agree these are both great signings and, you know, congrats to both of them. I did both tor- kind of towards the tail end of their careers, I guess. Yeah. You know, the, the back half or whatever, um, call it what it is. But, yeah, so kind of transitioning, dude, our, our favorite talk, talking, uh, you know, prospects and rookies. Um, and throughout training camp, throughout this preseason, um, a couple of rookies have really made, um, you know, made some noise, you know, made made their case to, to make the NHL teams. And a um, couple, couple things that happened today, uh, Quentin Musty, um, Signed his entry level deal with the San Jose Sharks. Um, obviously, San Jose had an unbelievable first round. Um, he was taken um, alongside Will Smith, who's going to be playing at BC this year. Um, I, dude, if he makes this team, I, he is so sick. And the fact that he went yeah. in the twenties even is is crazy to me. I, you and I were, were were talking about it beforehand, and even like months ago, right around draft time. We loved this pick. I and I, I did. I like again. I think we looked at it too, and we were like, not that we forgot about him, but like when they finally made the announcement that San Jose selects Quentin, we were like, wait, how the fuck he's still there? Yeah, like I, it was I, one of those. I thought in my mind he was already gone, so I'm like, I didn't even really 
But then when they made the announcement, when Mike Greer, I was like, holy shit, they got him in the 26, I believe, if I, yeah. you know, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, alongside Will Smith, like Mike Greer, dude, he's, he's wheeling and dealing and, you know, obviously huge congratulations to, uh, to Musty. And that's, it's so sick, dude. And, um, I, I think he's another guy that, you know, he could have a, a solid, solid rookie season. Um, what, what were your thoughts on, uh, on this deal and, and him making it this far? Yeah, I, I liked it. It's just unfortunate that he has to play on this dumpster fire of a Sharks <laughs> team right now. Cause we were just talking like about Rossi, right? Like you, you, for these young guys to really, um, have almost have a jump start, right. in in, in their pro career, you want to pair him up with a veteran. Like, I guess you could maybe play him with hurdle. That like, Couture, but, like Couture? Couture, yeah. But outside of that, like, you know, who yeah, th- hey, jump on daily face off right now, because I need to know. But shout those out to are Daily the, Face Off. Yeah, those are the only two that really jump out to me initially. Um, because you know, there's, there's not too many guys on the sharks that when you think about the sharks, jump right into your head, right? Um, no, not at all. But I mean the kid's great. And like you said, the way that he uh, dropped down to the late twenties was insane to me. That's, that's a great pick for San Jose. Um, he's going to do great things. So kind of interesting. They don't even have musty as in the lineup right now, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they just haven't added or, or what. I think they haven't added it yet because the Bruins uh, daily face off. They don't have Patra. Makes um, sense. Well, well, that makes sense. But um Buffalo also doesn't have Zach Benson, so okay. So I yeah, a couple of names like right from the jump, like Thomas Hurdle. Yeah, you mentioned Barbanov. I don't know. If yeah, Mike Hoffman, Couture, Anthony Duclair. Another name that's kind of interesting to me. Looking at someone yeah. who who kind of needs a jump start in his career is Philip Zadina. Yep. Yep. Um, that would be interesting. I I don't know. Oscar Lindblom, I, I love Oscar Lindblom, dude. Shout yeah. out Oscar Lindblom. Like that story is still unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's a couple. Na- I mean, none really jump out at me. But the, from what I'm reading and what I've seen, I think he deserves to make this club. Like again, yeah. could he benefit from a year in the mine? You know, in the minors, I guess. But with how bad this team is, why not let him? Why not let him play, dude? Like, yeah, take this Zetterland guy out of there and put in Musty. <laughs> like, sorry, but me, Marco Sturm. I mean, I don't know, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I kind of, it's, it's, it's my way of thinking, and and you, you think yeah. very similarly. Like these, and and it, it's just the older, I guess, the older way of thinking. Like, yep, he has experience. He has NHL minutes. Yep. Let have this young kid earn, earn what, dude? The kid, right. he just got drafted in the, what, earn what? What the fuck is yeah. he need to earn? Like, again, put him in, the way that you're going to develop these kids and develop their games is by them playing NHL minutes. That's it. Right. Right. There's nothing to be earned. You're telling me this dude's confidence with a guy like Zetherland, Zetherland, and... I, I don't know, dude. Like, I, I would put him in there. Okay? Give him NHL minutes. Have him play yeah. against these guys. Like, it's only going to help him in the long run. Right, exactly. It's like you're not going to lose anything. You're, you're not – if you're a Sharks fan, 
you're not going anywhere this year. Nowhere. Yeah. The only place you're going is to the lottery machine, and you hope your ball gets picked first because you're not going to do jack shit this year. I'm you sorry. You are in the Macklin Celebrini sweepstakes. Yes, yes. Heavy in the Macklin Celebrini. Yeah, yeah dude. Um, another guy I, I want to bring up, uh, obviously I know you're going to get going with all this, with this Buffalo just, Sabres talk. I was just smiling at the camera cause I already have their lineup pulled up on daily face. I did. So nice. <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> but, uh, man, so today they made their, their, I don't know if it's their last round of cuts. Um, but Yuri Coolidge and Isaac Rosen were both sent, um, sent down, yep. which, which this means that Zach Benson is still on this roster. Um, dude, this kid is, is, is gross. Like I, I said it from day one. I knew the fact that he fell to 13 and we talked about this dude on our draft episode. I, for the life of me, didn't understand. Nope. I didn't either. I, and 13 overall for, for this guy. And, he, you know, he's still on the Sabres roster, and I think he's going to be a huge difference maker for this team. I think the way, just the way that he plays the game, just he's absolutely fucking electric, dude. Like, and I think he, we're going to be talking about him by the end of the year in the Calder. Uh, he's going to be in the Calder quite like considerations oh, yeah. for sure. It, it, there's no doubt in my mind. I'm just, I'm looking at their lineup right now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to justify moving any of these any of these guys out because you got because Benson plays left, right? Is he center? He can play center too. Can play center. I I think prefers he's more, the wing though. I think he's more comfortable on the wing. It's like you're not going to move Skinner. Probably not going to move JJ Paterka. Jordan Greenway is the perfect third line banger. Zemgis Gergensen's, I guess you can move and I maybe put Greenway on the fourth line, but like they're just loaded, dude. It's like any like some of these guys, like yes, Benson should be playing a hundred percent, but you look at the lineup and it's like, okay, even on the right side, you're not gonna move Tuck, obviously. You're not gonna move Middle Sat, obviously, probably not gonna move Olafson, and you're not gonna move Ocposo. Like it, it, like what spot is Benson gonna take? I guess you move Greenwave down to the fourth and you put Benson on either the third or second. I don't know. There, There's a factor that you're missing in this. And it's the fact that Maddie Savoy hasn't – he's been injured. That's a good point too. Maddie Savoy, when he comes back, what I see happening is a scenario of Savoy and Benson being line mates. They have mm-hmm. been for years now. Their chemistry is – literally off the charts they know each other like i'm telling you dude during that prospect challenge they were the two best prospects there and it, yeah. it's not and it wasn't close and yes patois was there by the way there, there were a lot of like again and this isn't a knock on him or, or any of the other prospects but from what i saw dude they were the two best there and, and it wasn't close for me um yeah and you can't teach chemistry either it's just all natural. right right and we're talking back on the winnipeg ice days you know, yep. with these guys both playing there. Um, now, I wonder if there's a scenario where those two guys are a third line, second line type thing, and you put a Ocposo or you put a, a Jeff Skinner, right? I don't know. I, I, I'm curious I like what your that. thoughts are. I think it's a – yeah, <laughs> you, you mentioned a couple guys that are – yeah, they're Greenways. You know, he's good. He's 
But again, we're talking about two future NHL superstars right. that, you know, that, yeah, they're young, they're rookies this year, but they deserve to be in that Buffalo Sabres lineup. They're, they're electric, dude. They, that crowd for, for a prospect challenge, it was full house to see these guys. Yeah. Um, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking along the lines of like how you want to build your lineup, right? Cause you, you need to have, you, you, the NHL has shifted from needing a, a quote unquote fighter, right? Yes. To to needing just like somebody in there who plays heavy, he can protect the puck, he can bangers. bang bodies. Yeah, yeah, you just bangers. need bangers. Yeah. And that's what yeah. Jordan Greenway and Gergensons are. So it's like when you're building the lineup and you're building your roster, you all like you have to be careful, in my opinion, you have to be careful of having a good mix of those skill guys mixed in also with those guys who are throwing their weight around. You don't want to be too um, heavy on either side. You know what I mean? Well, let, let me ask you this question then. What, what about a guy like Jordan Greenway on that line? That would be fine too. You know, they, like they I just have so many options. Yeah. I mean, you can fuck with the combinations any, any way you want. And obviously Kevin Adams is going to be making, you know, the majority of those, decisions what, if, what, what about what if you okay what if you put benson what if you moved paterka and you put benson on the line with cousins and middle stat that is a disgusting it, second line it is but i don't see a scenario i don't know dude i i think it's it makes it's weird for me right the way that i look at it with all the college teams with all the junior teams and you took two guys consecutive years that were line yeah. mates yeah right like i like no, yeah, i could, totally see that could be, could be a coincidence yeah you know but i really think that they saw something special and they were put in the perfect opportunity to make the you know that sorry this they were put in the perfect situation to capitalize on this opportunity yeah. and we'll see what happens i think if savoy is out of the lineup for a significant amount of time yeah that would be a gross line yeah. But I think for the future, and especially for this year, I, I can't imagine a scenario where they split those two up, especially with them being teammates as long as they have. And I don't know. And and again, do you move? Dude. Do you move some of those pieces to add someone else on the back end? I don't know. They are so deep; it's actually insane. It is like, like Peyton Krebs. You can't take him out of the lineup. Tyson Jost, you probably don't want to move him out. Like, no. What the? What the? Fuck? It's it's what it's the hell, a, Buffalo. <laughs> it's a matter of it's a it's about finding that happy medium of having great talent as well as depth. Now, do you move some of those pieces, some of those depth pieces, to add better talent on your back end? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, you could move a guy like Tyson Jost or you know a, a Paterka or I don't know, dude. It's they are loaded, and I was not kidding when I said yeah. Boston and Buffalo right now are like yeah. close, at oh, least yeah. on pa- at least on paper, right? Oh, and yeah. that, that and that could completely come back to bite me in the ass for saying that. But dude, I'm pretty sure they only missed what did they miss the playoffs by like two or three points last year? Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm telling you, like they're. I was saying it at the end of the season. They're not a team that you can just walk all over anymore. They're a legit good team, and you have. 
Devin Levi and Uka Pekalukanen in net with Owen Power, Rasmus Dahlin, and Connor Clifton. I'll go Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin on your back end, really anchoring that. And Connor Clifton. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why I threw Connor Clifton in there. (laughs) But they have something special. And maybe if you want to add to that defensive unit and you want to bring in Benson and Savoy, full-time maybe you can ship off some of those those guys that you know are gonna have their spots taken and and get another defenseman in there to really help out yeah I think correct me if I'm wrong I would say their left side of their defense is is pretty solidified you've got Darlene you've got power and Samuelson Samuelson did they ship Labushkin off um I believe so because he's not in this yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, Don't forget about Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn is out right now. Jack Quinn oh, is another right. guy, dude. He's he's gonna sit at the at the right wing. Yeah. So he, yeah, dude. It's I could see maybe them going grabbing a right shot defenseman. Yeah, someone, someone that I don't know. Because uh, because right now their right side defense is Connor Clifton, Henry Yoki Harju, and then Eric Johnson. That's their right side, which I don't I, hate. Don't hate, but it could it could be improved with all the assets they have. Yeah, I'm trying to think about potential, and obviously, you, you know, you and I can bullshit all day about potential trades and stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know, dude. I, I'd like for them to add a right shot defenseman because, although you know, Eric Johnson's probably towards you know he's towards the end of his career, but you could package any any one of those or not one, multiple of those guys, and still have phenomenal depth. Right. on that team. Um and and right now the Sabers have no way is that right. Oh my god, right now the Sabers have 8.7 million dollars in cap space. Yeah, but remember they're going to have to sign power coming up. Coming up. Coming up. But Cousins. Right, right now for this moment right now, they have that money to play around with. So I wonder if they fuck around with the LTIR this year too. Maybe. Maybe they might, dude. I think a lot of teams are going to – I think a lot of teams are going to do yeah. that again. I know, you know, we've had a lot of Buffalo talk, so I don't know if you want to go check your uh, check your trousers or <laughs> – <laughs> but, uh, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm fired up for them. Like, they're going to be so fun to watch. Yeah, they are. They're going to yeah, be so are. fun. But, um, obviously, uh, you and I have been playing nonstop uh, NHL 24. Oh, um, yeah. Man, I, I, I've been – I had a messy bond day today for sure. And, uh, <laughs> I have the day off from work tomorrow. I already know what I'm doing. If okay. I don't, if I if I don't find myself on a golf course somehow, I'm firing this thing up all day. You're gonna lock yourself in the room with the uh, with the piss bucket. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, what what are your thoughts on it so far, dude? I like my first. It was hard for me to get used to like the passing, dude. Like I just was like kind of fucking around with it, and I was getting so pissed off. But the more I played and I kind of got used to it and like, I already know I haven't even played online yet, but I know the nonstop Michigans are going to fucking piss me off and how easy it is now and how easy it is now. I'm not going to lie to you. I fucking love everything about this game right now. I love everything about this game. I've played a couple of online games, some drop-ins for EASHL. I'm going to tell you zero Michigans, almost zero. Really? Any, any of those kill shots because it's as as easy as it seems with the buttons it's hard to get your player in that position with enough space and time 
yeah, yeah, the timing is very, very difficult. So having them take away like because because guys like I don't know, just guys like Nasher, um, Tic Tacs, all these NHL streamers, whatever. Yeah. The way they did it with the skill stick, they had it hemmed in. If you had that, then you had it. But making this available with the with the button, but making it so so difficult with the timing, I think evens the playing field and it it I'm I'm going to say and maybe it changes in the future, but it doesn't seem to happen as often as you would think. Um, the skating is amazing. The skating oh feels God, so good, dude. Yes. Um, the pressure system that you have, I love. The hip checks are a little OP. I'm going to say that. The <laughs> hip checks are a little OP, but I love using them. Um, I was going to say, that's my favorite part, dude. I toss dude, those around awesome. all the time, dude. Yeah. I haven't broken the glass yet. I've sent a couple people over the boards. Um, what else was I going to say? Uh, I was going to say something else about the game. I lost it, but overall, oh, the goalies, the goalie fatigue system and the saves. It seems like, you know how, when you used to play games in franchise mode or just play now, whatever the other team would shoot like 12 times and they'd have four goals, four or five goals. That doesn't seem to be happening. It seems to be like that. It's actually the numbers, even against the CPU are very realistic. The shot totals are pretty even. And I think that has to do with the pressure system. Um, everything about this game I love right now. I really, yeah. really do. First thing I did, obviously, was fire up a, uh, a dynasty with the Bruins. Yeah. Although I was disappointed to see that Law Rye wasn't in the game yet. Mm-hmm. Our buddy, our buddy Trevor Kuntar wasn't in the game. I was ready for him to put up sixty in uh, in my <laughs> franchise. Yeah. Um, I, I loved it, dude. I like. I was having so much fucking fun with it, dude. I I couldn't put it down, and. You mentioned it like it just seems much more realistic as far as like the shot totals and yep. like the, you know, the CPU scoring. Um, it just seems like it's it, it's a very in the in EA, you know, in NHL, they, they said it before, dude, they, they were taking the critiques, the criticism that they got from NHL 23. And they, it seems like they really have incorporated, you know, incorporated that, you know, those recommendations. They've really really took it to heart and they yep. put out a great product. Um, yeah. and you know, you, you see the people, I go look at the comments just cause I was curious on NHL and same old shit, different year. And I absolutely could not disagree more with those people that say it, that. Dude, if those people are saying that, then they haven't even touched the game yet or they're just, they haven't bought the game like, yet <laughs> yeah, like, that, or they're just like hating. And it's like, yes. dude, like what, like what more, this is the I've said this a couple times to like Mel and 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 um Connor, but this is the most different feeling NHL video game probably in the last ten years. To be I ab- literally one hundred percent honest, I was gonna I literally was gonna say that I would literally yeah. go I, I can go back ten years where I've yeah. noticed this much this significant of a jump and improvement. Yes, right. right. That's the other thing too. It's an improvement. It, it's, it's not an a, improvement. Like they yeah. changed it up, and it's totally new, and it's better. And if you're if if you're like, I've seen people complaining about the battle pass or whatever. Like, why don't complain? Then just don't buy anything. It's not that hard. Don't buy anything. Don't Wah. give EA your money. Yeah, they're just crying, dude. And I, 
As a, I'm 26 and I'm excited about this game, dude. I'm going to. I'm 28. I'm still excited, dude. I'm pumped up. This is I'm. I, I don't like. This is not. I, I. We don't get paid by EA or anything like that. We're literally yeah. just pumping this game up because it's that good. And if you're on the fence about buying it, don't buy the don't don't buy the X Factor edition. Just buy the normal version. And I promise you, you're gonna be surprised. Um, it's so much different. It's so much better. It actually feels like a brand new game and not just yeah. a roster update. Yeah, the everything about it. It's just smooth um and like like you just said if you're on the fence about buying it we're we're not in partnership with ea or nhl at all um just two dudes who love playing you know love playing shell and i will yeah. till i'm six feet under right um yeah. so i again <laughs> if you're you know if you're on the fence and even then i'll probably still you know be buried with it too. <laughs> i was gonna say buried yeah. with a, a copy of the newest <laughs> nhl game and a controller <laughs> That's yeah, dude. So, like I said, you know, you're on the <laughs> fence about buying it. Give it a shot. I significantly different, and it, EA and NHL they've done a phenomenal job of taking everyone's um, recommendations, taking the critiques, and just fully improving everything about it. So, yeah, um, yeah that's that's our NHL rant for uh, for today. I'm sure we'll have much more as as the season goes on, but. That wraps up episode 15 of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast brought to you in partnership with uh, Primetime Productions. Um, If that's all uh, you got, Mikey, that's all I got. Uh, Yeah, I mean, by the time, I think by the time uh, we drop the next episode, the regular season will be underway. So um, looking forward to, you know, the end of the preseason here, getting some solidified lineups, uh, seeing what rookies really start to crack opening night NHL rosters is going to be awesome to see. Um, it's going to be a fun season. I think there's going to be a lot of surprises. The Calder race is going to be insane. Yep. Um, surprise teams, surprise players. Um, and I'm, I'm just excited to, to, Oh my God. I'm so excited to get into it, dude. It's going to be such a good year. Um, yeah. I'm just excited and stick with us for the rest of the year. Cause we'll be doing this weekly. So yeah, that's yep. all I got. Yeah, and uh, also be sure to stay tuned for uh, a lot of college hockey stuff. We got a lot of good schools uh, around Mikey and I, um, so gonna try to be making as much, you know, as many games as I can. Obviously, we got U Lowell near us. Um, you know, Boston isn't far from us. Um, Am- UMass Amherst. You know, we got all these teams that um, we're gonna be bringing you a bunch of college hockey content as well. Um, so definitely stay tuned for that. But but other than that. Um, Let's get ready for the season, bro. Let's uh let's fucking do it and, and that's it for the uh episode 15. Take care, guys. Take care. Welcome back to Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. We are here with Providence College forward Riley Duran and Bruins Prospect for that matter. Um Riley, how you doing, buddy? How uh how's the college year going? Uh how's how's life been? Doing good. It's uh Ready to get going with the season, playing a couple days now. So kind of been a long preseason and ready to get the games going. Yeah, obviously you got to, you know, you lost a couple players, a couple good guys, you know, Parker Ford. Um, obviously we were just talking about, you know, Pat Moynihan going to Notre Dame. Uh, what is your guys' expectations for this upcoming season? Yeah, I think uh, I think we'll be a different team. We got uh, four lines this year that can really that can really go. Um, we had uh, some good transfers come in, and uh, our freshman class looks really solid. So, 
we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I just think we're gonna we're not gonna beat teams for nothing, but I bet we'll win games two one. We're just gonna find ways to win games. Yeah, man, like um, I'm looking at your Elite Prospects page right now. Uh, first year of Providence, 29 games played, 8 goals, 12, 12 assists, 20 points. Uh, you know, coming into your second season here, what are you looking to build off of that from? You know, how are you trying to improve, you know, maybe get some more points? What are you, what are you looking to build off of last year? Uh, well, last year was battling injury. So uh, it was kind of in and out of the lineup and kind of learned a lot for myself after doing that last year and uh yeah i'm just i'm looking just to play and see how that goes you know it's uh being an older guy now just kind of just gotta get used to having kind of that uh that thing that's like all right it's your time to go and uh like when the big goals come it's should be one of the older guys and hopefully it is one of the younger guys but just that uh, more responsibility I'm excited for. Yeah, you know, obviously the Hockey East is fucking loaded this year. Um, yeah. A lot of people coming in. Um, what are what, some of the teams that, you know, obviously you got the BUs, the BCs. What, you know, what is your favorite barn to play at um, besides Providence? Like what – are there any are there any barns that are like fuck, like wild with as far as like student sections go? Um, any others that are like more hostile than others? Um. My favorite rink is probably – I like playing at the Conti Forum. I like playing at BC just because my whole family goes, all the people from my town yeah. go. That's cool. But probably the most nuts one is uh, UMaine. Really? Oh, shit. oh my God. They well, like that's, all they, that's all they fucking got up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their, like, upper deck kind of thing is, like, right at ice level. Yeah. So it feels like people are, like, on top of you. So it is. It's really cool. It's all they got up there. But oh, that's sick! Yeah, I got. I got to catch a Umaine game, game this year. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. I never would have thought Umaine. Honestly, that was like one of the last I thought. I even <laughs> would have thought like UVM. Yeah. No, they're, well, they're all stoned, there. dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know if they're playing watching hockey or watching basketball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you mentioned your family's. For, you know, from the area. You're from Woburn. Um, I want to talk to you about, you know, obviously you got drafted sixth round 2020 um, to the Boston Bruins. Um, can you talk to us about what you remember from that day, like the process leading up to it? Um, and then, you know, finally hearing your name called. What was that like, dude? Like, uh, like for both of us, we're both from Mass also. So, like, obviously it's surreal to even think about. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was, you know, it was unbelievable just uh, being a Beast fan my whole life and just like, um, just got to Youngstown. We were probably a couple weeks in, and I had talked to a bunch of teams, but kind of didn't want to get my hopes up too much because, you know, just uh, so I was going through that day. I was with my Boston buddies I was playing with in Youngstown. We went golfing and just trying to distract myself. And uh, finally got home, probably, probably like the start of the fifth round. We watched for a bit. Went out, ate dinner, and then uh, I got a call. And, uh, yeah, from there, it was pretty cool. It was just so crazy just to think about that. And I did talk to them a bit, but not not as much as I thought. And, yeah, it was just 
really truly dream come true getting picked but especially by boston it was like unbelievable yeah, wild dude yeah. i can't even i can't even imagine yeah man it, like mentioning too that you were a uh, a bruins fan for your whole life growing up um did you have anybody specifically like in that era of bruins hockey that you watched a little closer than others to kind of learn little you know like intangibles from their game just kind of try to model yourself after them yeah um I would say, like, honestly, like, my whole life was Bergie. Yeah. yeah. You kind of got to just think about that and, like, how he plays. He's so poised. But you also got to go back to, like, the 2011 when they win, when they won the Cup. And it's, like, that, that fourth line with, like, Keldy and all them. Fuck yeah, dude. So they good, dude. up in the playoffs that year. That was really cool. And just kind of that hard-nosed Bruins mentality is just kind of where I try to frame my game after. Yeah, that's still one of my all-time favorite lines. That that oh, fourth yeah. line, like there there will never be another line like yeah, that. Especially like, sad. like just, first thing that comes to mind is fucking Greg Campbell breaking his leg, blocking that shot. Yeah. And that, that dude just does not want to come off the ice. Like that's that that fourth line was unbelievable. But sure. um, going going back to your draft experience, what were the other what were the other teams that you would talk to, and did you have any like bizarre interview questions? We ask like pretty much everyone we talk to, like. We've had some pretty hilarious ones where just outlandish draft questions from like GMs, and uh, I'm wondering if you had any of those experiences. Um, not that I remember. Like I don't know. I just wasn't that like crazy. I've I've heard some crazy ones too, so I can't really relate to like the nuts ones. But I just remember like a couple of teams. It's just you know it's kind of like personal in a way, and it's like they really break you down and tell you you really got to get into it get into it because they want the right answers and they right. want the true answers too and they know if uh if you're telling the truth or not so it's kind of like yeah those those, those were pretty nerve-wracking yeah, so, yeah. Like, <laughs> you're like Oof, oh my god <laughs> you know but, yeah it was just it was a whole it was really cool that whole process yeah it, i was i was trying to remember who was the Sully, who was the one with Stevie Y? He was talking about about pot smoking and whatever. At the time that he smoked pot, like literally as a teenager, and Stevie Y brought it up. Like, can you imagine that shit, dude? I'd be fucking shitting myself. I know. He was like a college kid too. Yeah, like Stevie. Yeah, I I can't remember. Like, like, can you imagine how much that would like just throw you off your game? And then he he just like probably would go back into hockey stuff, and your brain is just in a fucking blender. Yeah, like Like, from Vermont. Uh, so dude, yeah, you have a few, uh, development camps under your belt. Um, obviously this past, uh, development camp, you were one of the older guys. Um, what were the differences from, you know, that your early, one of your first development camps to, um, this most recent one, uh, kind of what were your takeaways? What did you learn? Um, and what were some of the differences? Um, yeah, I mean, from my first dev camp to this year, it's kind of, Lots happen. It's kind of makes me feel old, but I just think it's like going in my first year. I was just like, this is a good thing. Let me play against some older guys here, get ready for college. Then this year, it's just kind of like, all right, let's let me lead in a way and just kind of be a role model to to the younger guys because I was in their shoes. And yeah, just that whole week is just trying to get better. Um, You're in midsummer. Just trying to get in shape again after 
not doing practice since what was it like three or three or four months yeah you're just trying to get going again and that after that it's kind of off from there it's like all right it's season mode now and yeah you just it was really that week is just unbelievable you know being from boston too it's just yeah if i if i need anything i can drive home 15 minutes and home <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes yeah. mom, mom makes dinner and then come back and yeah showing Dude. all the boys around the north end it's cool yeah, I, I remember, so kind of funny story. So literally, I, I I went to development camp for the first time, like ever. And I was literally had no idea what I was doing, just watching you guys, whatever. <laughs> so I won't name names, but like I was left by myself there, like up in the, up in the media room. I'm sitting next to like fucking Joe Haggerty and like Connor Ryan, Ty. I had no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And get we go down to the locker room and I'm just like looking around like fucking lost. And, uh, dude, I saw you just chilling. I was like, ah, maybe I'll go try to interview this guy. You know, I, I recognize you from obviously from Providence and whatever. And that was like my first ever interview I did. And I go back and watch it now. And it's just so fucking hilarious. Cause you, you're like looking at me like, what is this dude doing? Like, no fucking clue. <laughs> so, it, it was, it was so funny. Cause everyone's obviously crowded around like all the other, you know, whatever. And I just was like, ah, you know what? Like, I'm going to go see what, what riley's up to and yeah obviously came a long way but i thought that was hilarious you know it's funny yeah man so you mentioned the off season too so like obviously the, the two to three months you know kind of away from the game a little bit do you find like off ice sessions to train at do you play other sports like do you try to get away from the game or do you still kind of maintain that training regimen um i'd say like the springtime here kind of try to stay off the ice um I mean, there's only so much you can do. Like, I, I can only go so much, so many days, so many weeks without skating, you know, just because yeah, yeah. it's a good sweat. It's just, I hate being away from the game for so long. And I just say during the summer, like playing on the beach, you know, pickleball, like playing all these sports, basketball with, the, with all my buddies and golf or big golfers. So yeah. it's like yeah. playing those games. But yeah, I try to stay on the ice once, uh, once probably June hits, you get going again. A couple how's days. The, a week. Uh, how's the golf game, dude? It's all right. I mean, <laughs> one day I'll shoot like an eighty-four. Next day it's like fucking ninety-four, and you're like, "What's going on?" <laughs> yeah. I, I'd be the amped most, up to shoot a ninety-four. <laughs> <laughs> the most frustrating sport in the world, dude. Yeah, one day is. you're having a blast, and then the next day you're just like, "Get me off of this course yeah. right now." I just like being honest. I like to compete of it. That's the yeah. thing. You're in off season. Yeah. You and your buddies are all right. Let's pay for dinner. Who's paying for dinner tonight? You know. Yeah. Who's what's your for, What's your favorite course to play at in uh, in Mass? Um, I'm not sure. So I have a couple of buddies from Marblehead. Um, my buddy Kyle Fury. He played with me from like club growing up all the way through high school, juniors. He is. He's a member down at Tedesco Country Club. Oh, nice. Marblehead. Oh, it's beautiful down there. So if I'm nice to him, he'll bring he'll bring us out there. <laughs> yeah. See how it, but yeah, that's probably one of my favorite. Love yeah, going down there. Beautiful down there too. Yeah, my, my brother in law's from down there. And uh yeah, he's played down there. He hasn't invited me yet. So I guess I gotta be ni- I guess I gotta be nicer to him. But uh you gotta so yeah. ninety four, that's what you gotta do. <laughs> that ain't ha- that ain't happening. Yeah, green over hockey stick. Yeah, Dude, I'm, <laughs> it's a happy I'm, Gilmore. 
I'm still rocking my uh, my top flights from about ten years ago, <laughs> so uh, it might it might need an upgrade. But uh, you know, this past summer, you know, you you skated at um, you you were playing with the you know Mike Hardman, all those guys. Um, fuck what, it, dude? The school is literally what school is that that you guys were playing at? Why can't I think of the there, name? There, 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 yeah. Academy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously, you got to play with all those guys, you know, in that summer league. Um, you know, I, I got the chance to go watch you guys a couple times in that small ice surface um, with just all of you guys are talented, you know what I mean? And then to compact it in that small area, what was it like skating with those guys uh, this summer? Yeah, I mean, it was really cool. It was my uh, second summer doing that. Um, my buddy from Woburn, Mark Gackholm, he plays in uh, Abbotsford now. He, he, uh, he gotten in and we've just been doing it the past two summers, but the competition's unbelievable there. I mean, you just got to keep your stick on the ice and the puck's going on your stick, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, just doing that once a week. I mean, I wish it was more, but doing that once a week is awesome. Yeah, it's a pretty good turnout, too, as far as, like, people watching that. Like, I, this was the first summer uh, I was texting with Mikey, and uh, he told he was like, yeah, you got to come check it out. Like, obviously, like, Coyle was playing. Like, just the competition was unreal and how fast you guys think the game. It's like yeah. four and five steps ahead of everyone else, but and they're always I, close. The games are always close too, which is like the cool thing. It's never like a blowout, so yeah, they always keep yeah, it close. yeah. I and like it was kind of funny with those guys because you have the people that show up with like books of cards, and I, I told this story on the last one, dude, where uh, with Mike Hardman, and I was like, I was walking up to him to like go say hi to him or whatever, and I got absolutely buried by this like if this like sixty year old guy with like a fucking full book of cards just buries me into the glass and i'm like okay dude like but yeah it, it was so crazy to watch like how fast you guys are i think even just in that small ice surface it, it just goes to show like how skilled you guys actually are because like, you know with the big ice surface obviously you know guys are fast but when you you kind of compact it it just goes to show how how smart you guys are and how fast you have to think you know you have to know where that puck's going so that was, it was crazy competition yeah, it is. It's a great skate. One of the best skates of the summer for sure. Kind of, a, it's tough to get there on uh, Mondays at like five o'clock though. On ninety three, I go oh through the city. God. It's like, uh, no chance, dude. And I, I had, I was, I was driving from Littleton, and one day, like, it took me. I forgot how long. It was like almost two hours to get there. Crazy. And just a shit show in traffic, dude. I'm getting. But on so the way crazy. back, it's only like thirty minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, again, like. I finally got to the rink. I'm like fucking drenched in sweat because I'm so pissed off from all the freaking yeah. Boston drivers. And I'm like, like, but yeah, it, yeah, it was awesome. And I honestly, next year, I hope to catch more, uh, more games. You know, with you guys playing in them. Yeah. So Riley, I saw too. Obviously, you know, some players have a reason why they pick their jersey number. Sometimes it's just given to them. Other times, you know, sometimes it's sentimental or, or just meaningful to you. Is there a reason why you pick number eight as your number? Um, not really. Um, kind of been all over the map with numbers throughout my life. But growing up, I was nine. One down from that is eight. So I was going to say, screw it. Take that. But, uh, uh, yeah, not, not a lot of value to it. It's just it's work for me. And, uh, yeah, it's a good number. Yeah. Are there um are there any guys in the uh you know that are playing in the NHL now um that you kind of try to emulate your game after or, or you know are there any players that you kind of look at and you you try to play similar to I know mean, obviously you want to play your own game but 
guys that you see similarities in in your own game? Um, I try to like look at Coyle just through like ever since he's been to Boston, I've tried to just think his game because I mean he plays hard, he plays two hundred feet. It's his penalty killing's great. His face offs are great. It's he really plays a great game, and I just try to especially skating with him at that uh, the three on three. It's just kind of just take a li- take away those little things. He's unbelievable at protecting the puck. So. Just those little things you kind of try to take away from them. And uh, like at dev camp, you see him in the gym, and it's it's really cool just being like around him and seeing all that stuff because I've just kind of been watching him for the past five five years now. So yeah, just, he's probably my number one guy I keep looking at. Yeah, you, you know, you bring up, you know, him at development camp working out or in whatever and – are there any guys on the on the current Bruins team right now that have kind of you know been mentor to you um, and kind of ha- have helped you along the way? Um, I mean Mike Callahan, he just got sent down to prob, but he had a great camp. I heard, and he was my captain my freshman year, and I mean he's such a role model. That guy, it's it's crazy. He was a great captain, and he's just so dialed in on everything he does. He's great at practice every day he plays hard and every game he plays hard he always does the right thing so yeah I look after him Mark McLaughlin was always there too since my first year and being a Bill Ricca kid we kind of we get along well and playing him at BC it's he's tough to play against so yeah just all of them it's uh it's really cool being all around all those guys and once in a while we'll see those guys roaming around at night around here and just just to hang out with them is pretty cool. Sully, so you got any other uh, questions? I, I, I got, got a, I got nothing else, Chris. If you got something else, I have a, I have a few more questions. I, I saw that you played in the World Juniors, obviously, and you did you put up really good numbers through five games. Um, what was it like playing in that tournament? Because obviously, like I think it's a bigger tournament for as far as like kids from Canada, but I know, like, obviously, hockey fans in general are – I love. I know for me, I love watching that tournament every year. Um, Sully, the same thing. What was it like playing in that tournament? Obviously, you're playing dudes from all over, you know, different countries, the best of the best. Um, what was it like playing in that tourney? Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it was unbelievable playing with all those guys, too, like Nyes, Cooley. Like, mm-hmm. it is really crazy. Um, growing up, never really – kind of stayed local because what do you got you don't gotta leave boston to play good hockey right so yeah. that, was, that was actually my first time ever going to canada and then we're playing against the swedish team and people are speaking another language and you're like what the hell is going on <laughs> they like they're chirping you in different languages yeah i'm like I <laughs> that means uh yeah it was cool being all being around all those guys and especially it was a little weird because it was in the summer but um yeah, it was it was unbelievable just playing in that, playing against those guys, practicing with those guys. It's really cool. Yeah, you uh, you got the chance to. Did you you played against Bedard, right? No, I never played against him. Oh man, he, I, uh, I was gonna say because they won gold that year, and I I didn't know if you guys had played Canada. I kind of was looking quick, but I didn't know if you had the chance to play against that guy because he's obviously we got right up now. So pretty good uh, first round. Yeah, we lost to Czech. It was a good game, but. Some big the boys, were, they trapped yeah. us pretty good. 
Yeah, the yeah. games were fairly close. And like I said, you put up good numbers through five games. Um, but, yeah, I, I, all the names, I'm looking down that roster. You mentioned Cooley, Nyes, Luke Hughes, Brock Faber. Yeah. Like, that was that's a loaded team. Yeah, that's yeah. insane, dude. Yeah, it was really cool being in the locker room with those guys. And I've never really played it, played with them or against them my whole life. And then we went to camp together, got along well. And, yeah, it was a great tournament. Coronado was on that, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He lit it up at Harvard, too. He was yeah, nasty at Harvard, good. dude. I think yeah. he'll have a good year this year, yeah. Yeah. I think he, he's still in the running to make that Flames team. He hasn't gotten sent down yeah. yet. He's been ripping yeah. it on the ball. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, man, honestly, we uh, we can't thank you enough here at Drop the Mitts for, uh, you know, for you joining us. Unbelievable. Uh, I know you guys got a busy schedule and you got, you know, your, your season coming up. So we appreciate you taking the time and uh, – we wish you nothing but the best, and we wish you best of luck this year. Thanks, guys. Thanks right, for Tim. having me. Yeah, thanks, Riley. Good, Good luck. luck with everything. Yeah, thanks, bud. Hey, Appreciate you. Too, you. Take care.